to exotic liability number four. Yay. <laughs> We've made it this far. We got Chris <laughs> Nickerson, Ryan Jones, and DJ Jackalope here to talk about some security things and some late-breaking news that Jackalope found on the last webcast. Hey there. So I was poking around on Twitter a little bit, and uh, basically was just typing in, you know, settings for, for fine people, just 303 just for fun, and found... Uh, basically, the, the account number is CO underscore, and then it's somebody's name, a, a number. So what I'm looking at is like 071. So what it looks like, it has the person's name, and it has their phone number on it. Um, so basically, they also have each of the people who are identified in this. They're following a couple people, and they have like two or three followers. Um, some of the followings that they have that this person is following uh, is a... It's a CO underscore HQ. So I'm assuming it's Colorado Headquarters is what it stands for. Um, so clicking on following the CO underscore HQ link, you come up with a whole bunch of different, their, their followers of about two or 300 people with their full, full names, or so there's their first name, and then with a phone number attached to them. Um, so we called one of their numbers, and I will let Mr. Ryan finished the rest of that. Yeah, so so I called a, a lady named Cindy. I don't remember what. It was like CO underscore 071 or something like that. And uh, she, I, I was nice. I said, hi, is this Cindy? And she said, yeah. I said, hi, Cindy. My name is Ryan. And I was curious about something. I'm, I'm, I stumbled across your phone number on Twitter. And she kind of went, oh. And I went, yeah, you know, there's a whole bunch of you guys that have, like, the CO underscore number and then your name and your phone number. And I was curious what that was. I was just, you know, just a curiosity call. And she goes, well, I've never been on Twitter before. I've never, I didn't know that. So we start poking around some more, and, and Karen Karen finds this person, DC underscore EV, right? Yep. Find that. Actually do some research on there. They're another person that, uh, like, each person has, like, you know, they're following two people, so the person's following the, uh, the CO underscore HQ, and everyone's also following the DC underscore EV, um, who has a thousand, they're following 1,100 people, and they have 974 followers with 151 updates, which sounds kind of weird but also the dc underscore ev they're uh, all of their people with their numbers are mo underscore 26 and above so missouri and colorado apparently <laughs> and i imagine there's a whole lot more so let's put this into a proof of concept um now that we went through <clears throat> and we searched for co underscore hq uh, we're going to go through and we're going to look at some of the numbers. We're going to pick one of the callers and see if on the air they've ever been on Twitter before or if this is some new great social engineering O-Day that we found. Oh, um, or if someone just had Plaxo sync the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> if not, someone's getting a call. So we may have to call a couple to get some active voice, but you will hear it first here on ExoticLiability.com. This, one? this is uh, Colleen we're about to call. Colleen. Ooh, Colleen. She's a the 303 number, I think. You want to take, you want to take this I one? I think we should all take it. Okay. <laughs> well, why don't you start it off? Uh, okay. We don't, we don't want to swarm her and make her upset. <laughs> I'd be upset. Well, she should be upset. <laughs> Hello? Hi, is this Colleen? This is she. Co- Colleen, this is Chris Nickerson from ExoticLiability.com. I'm here with Ryan Jones and Karen Maeda. Uh, we found your number on a Twitter site. Have you ever been on Twitter before? Tell me again who you are. Uh, Chris Nickerson. And who are you with? Uh, Ryan Jones and uh, Karen Maeda. Hey there. 
Hi. Okay, I don't know. I don't know any of the three of you. Okay. Yeah, we 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 found there is some things that we were doing on Twitter. Have you heard of that before? Okay, you're cutting out. I'm a, some things that you're doing on what? Uh, it's a it's a website called Twitter. Okay, I've heard of it. I don't on it. No. All right. So so what what we do so that you know we we have a, a security podcast where we teach people how to get more secure in life. Uh, in all their businesses. We actually found your phone number by typing CO underscore HQ on Twitter, and it came up with thousands of phone numbers, and we were trying to make sure that this was something that was legit. So uh, I, uh, what we're assuming is that someone has posted your phone number out to Twitter, unbeknownst to you. Um, I, I don't work on Twitter, so okay. it's possible I don't know. Cool. Well, what we're going to do so that you know is we're going to report some of these things to Twitter to make sure that your information isn't out there. But I really appreciate you kind of confirming that you, you weren't on Twitter and that's not something you want to be doing. Is that okay? Um, um, I guess. I, I don't work on Twitter, so I don't know. So okay, I, cool. No, I, okay. I, you know, again, thank you very Bye. much. Take care. Well, as you can see, there's a whole bunch of numbers out there that people are not supposed to be using. And, and Karen's now looking at Virginia numbers. There oh. you go. We also had... So do you think we have Missouri? every state that way? I, I think... I, I bet we do. I bet Maybe. if you search for any state abbreviation and, like, wildcard, you'd probably come up with every state. All right, guys. So you heard it here first on ExoticLiability.com that there is the ability to go through Twitter... Search for the abbreviation of your state and find thousands of phone numbers of people that should not be published. Thank you so much, Jack Lope, for finding that. Oh, anytime, anywhere. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And if any of you are logged in and are friends with Exotic Liability or DJ Jackalope or Indy303 or Liz Borden on Twitter, you will find these same types of findings as we look at them, looking at the social footprint of how people are to be compromised unbeknownst to them. <sighs> so, how do you top that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, how do we even go beyond that? That's that's an awesome finding. I mean, it, I love having this cast now that we can, we can find Ode in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 Karen has nothing to say talking to Telshi. So, like this. Oh <laughs> so I guess I guess the root of that message is type your phone number into Twitter search and see if anyone has it. Uh, because if yeah. they do, big problem. So going on from there, you know, there's there's a lot of other things that have been going on in security lately. Obviously, you know, we've talked here about social engineering in many, many different venues. Uh, we've talked about it from the regards of being able to do it in testing. We've talked about it in classes that, you know, myself and Ryan Jones and Karen are teaching, um, at like conferences like Chicago Con where we're doing the social engineering master class. Um, but these are common problems among society that you'll find in not only every social network, but you'll find them even at home in your own personal networks. You'll find, you know, that your search appliances have cataloged information of some of the people that are there. Um, you, you'll even find jobs that you've been on or jobs that you're in the process of going on being able to exploit some of the information that you've given them. So your social security number, your credit card information, some of your personal information, a lot of that stuff is cataloged and then burst onto the internet and as we found, even onto Twitter. Oh yeah, I, mean, I, can't, I can't count the number of documents and I'm sure you found them as well that, that just shouldn't be out there. Things, things like, oh look, this guy's applying for a top secret clearance. <laughs> 
and all you got to do is Google for, say, I don't know, PDF or or doc or, or whatever, and you come across, you know, things like the White House internal phone number list. Um, obviously, these things aren't supposed to be on the Internet. Someone put them in a shared folder or put them where they shouldn't have been or, or hell, put them on their own computer to, like, safe keep. And next thing you know, it's it's searchable thanks to Google. Yep, absolutely. Well, you know, and, and speaking of secret numbers and secret locations, Ryan, what's the number for the Denver Secret Service? Oh, they changed it. Oh, they did? It, they did. They finally changed it. It oh. used to be 303-866-1010, uh, which was the number that uh, lots and lots of people in Denver were using, like, any time. Say you go to Safeway and you get the little the little discount card, like, you have to apply and they ask for a phone number. And it's useful having a phone number in there because if you forget your card, you can punch it in, right? Well, I, I've just, out of habit, punched in. I haven't even filled out one of these things. I just go to stores and punch in 303-866-1010. And I have yet to have one of those cards not have that phone number in their systems, like King Supers and Safeway and all those guys. Yeah, Secret Service has a lot of grocery cards. So that's probably why they ended up changing the phone number. Uh, <laughs> I th- there were a couple of radio, radio shows going on on uh, KBFR at one point, uh, which is Boulder Free Radio. It's a, a pirate radio station in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, several episodes of a, sh- of a certain friend of ours show um, may have used that phone number as, oh, a, as a callback. What? <laughs> we have no idea who he is. Disclaimer. Uh, yeah. When, when he, in particular, when he was calling up a particular gentleman about uh, a note, something about a panty exchange or something. I, was, <laughs> now, I'll, I'll have to link to that particular recording of the, of yeah, the podcast. I, but I think that that'd be a great link for exoticliability.com to put up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it actually was a really interesting ex- example of social engineering. <laughs> you know, uh, all the talk of social engineering and everything else has kind of led me back to some of the other buzzwords that have been going on. Um, one of the biggest buzzwords that I hear on everything that I do, on every time that I log on... is on exotic liability. Oh, yeah, that too. But <laughs> it is also cloud. Now, oh I don't know if everybody's living listening to Orb and just wants their little fluffy clouds or if if this is new magic concept, but the cloud is the new hot cool buzzword of the world. And I have one thing to say about the cloud right now is that Google, right? The ever-present omniscient Jesus of all security and land and IP and technology, Google, the 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 warrior from beyond. They have publicly released that 0.05% of all documents ever held in Google Docs have been released to the wrong person. Oops. Sorry. We're going to put all of our money into cloud. We're going to put all of our stuff in the cloud. Everything's going to be held by the cloud, except 0.05% of it will be released to the people that we don't know. Do you really want to do that? Do you really want to go through and and just assume that somebody else is going to take sort you know your security at hand? I mean, well, is that is is that what you want? Well, and first off, it, yeah, it's a small percentage. It's point zero five percent, right? It's not even a whole percent. However, it's Google. How many? <laughs> it's a Google application. Billions of documents are there. So point point zero five might not sound like a whole lot until you realize exactly how large Google, how, how large their application yeah. user base is. Everyone on the internet. Um, and then, you know, maybe it was 0.05 this time. Right. Well, well, you know. What's going to happen next time? I mean, really, what's what's going to happen? Where, where's that going to go? Do you think, honestly, do you think that it's worth it, even though it, it feels really good to outsource your security to somebody else? Like, you know, hey, Ryan, you can take all my security. It's cool. I'll just pay you X amount of dollars per year. 
Like, should I feel safe? X isn't very much, but <laughs> <laughs> is, it, is it a big X or a, a small X? Uh, it has to be at least a couple of capital medium X's. Medium size X, okay. or like two medium. on each side of the X. Yeah, <laughs> X to the square. Um, oh. No, I mean, it depends. Have you looked into who you're hiring? Have but you I mean, checked? Re- have you checked references? Have you uh, hell? Have you Googled the guy? Does he have any <laughs> experience whatsoever doing this in the first place? Because again, going back to the whole, I have a CISSP. Yeah, okay, I have one. Yeah, sorry, I, I had to have one because it was required. But um, yeah, I, congratulations! You have a CISSP. That means you can pay. What is the test now? Five hundred bucks. Something I like think, that. Yeah. And, and pass a test, and you know another you CISSP to, who will sign off saying, you know. "Yeah, his job, his job descriptions were dead on right." Sacrifice a goat, do something else, drink pray blood, to God, drink, drink their blood. blood. Yeah. So you, so you pass a test and you get another CISSP to sign a piece of paper for you, and hey, you're a CISSP, and and yeah, the test isn't. I wouldn't say it's easy. Matter of fact, everyone I've ever heard say it's easy as they walk out gets the "you failed" message. Um, <laughs> yep. But it, it, it's not it's not an impossible test either. And if you've had any experience in security, you could probably pass it. And if you don't have experience in security, there's plenty of cheat books to go buy, or boot camps to go to. Right. And then you'll learn everything you need to. So so it depends. I mean, is this guy trustworthy? Uh, does he have references? Do you have any? idea of what his experience level is if so what is it in does it even fit for your company well, I mean, but let's take for instance like cisco they're a big cloud security player yeah should i should i outsource my cloud information storage to them <laughs> come on really well yeah i yeah. cisco's not the only one ibm does it too well, i know I, actually right up the road um no What's the I, I I have major issues with with the whole cloud thing in the first oh, place. Oh, so do and I. I. And I wish is Matt going to be able to Magic Elves. Yeah, we're we're going to we're going to get some experts in cloud security okay. on the show here. But but right now we're going to have to wax from our perspective of being pen testers, being security professionals and 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 looking at this from our point of view. Well, and the idea is is okay, so I have the, my segment of this cloud, right? How exactly am I separated? From the other segments of the cloud, how how do I know that like magic elves, magic elves, magic elves stop data from leaking? Is to that the, other the side. that's the computer science term? That's that's, that's the contract term. That's well, you, you know your computer is filled with ninja smoke, right? And if you have the smoke out, you're screwed. And the ninja smoke's free based on how much cloud computing right. you buy. So what you're saying is Symantec and McAfee are going to start trademarking the MG logo mm-hmm. for magic elves and so <laughs> correct, correct. TM. Shit! Now we're gonna get sued. <laughs> you infringed our copyright. Once again, not a first for exotic liability. <laughs> not a first for either one of us either. <laughs> well, I think that's probably why they call us as such. You know, so, some of those things in, in cloud security, and, and we're going to bring on some experts in cloud security who are part of the cloud working group uh, who are actually tasking this and, and who are people that are functional not only in the information security community, but also in the functional data you know, exception community to get an understanding of what's really, really going on. Um, but I, I wanted to bring this topic up because I think it's something that's very pertinent because everybody, just kind of as, as Delchi said in our last podcast, um, you know, people are buying things because they're new and shiny. They're not buying them because it's functional. They're not buying them because of a real need. They're spending money because we've got some damn good salespeople out there who are out there going, hey, you can get this great ROI in 10 years, and don't you want that in 10 years, and you're wasting money right now. But, you know, my dad worked in a construction company for a long time, and, and he owned a construction company. And 
We should have Jim on the show. We should definitely have Jim on the show because he would provide some really interesting perspectives. But, you know, it's true, right? When he says, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, that's right. That's right for security. That's right for information. That's right for your business. If it's not broke, you don't need to fix it. I don't care what salesperson comes to you and tells you you're going to get some great new widget that's going to protect you against God knows what BS new threat like Conficker and whatever else. Do the basics. I mean, really, pay attention to what's going on in the environment and secure the things that are the basics. Stop with all the hype. Stop with all the newsletters. Stop with all the, the hey, this is the cool, hot, new thing. I mean, really, because if you can protect the basics, if you can lock down physical security, if you can install your patches, if you can have your backups in line, if you can make good architecture, infrastructure, and intranet, and extranet. Educate your users. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, there's there's an infinite value in having other people own it. You think it's cool to have Cisco own your cloud security architecture? Try having your users own it. Your users are the one creating the data. Get them involved. Get them responsible for, for make them realize that they're responsible for their jobs. Uh, if, 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 if a major occurrence happened, whether it's, I don't know, somebody gets in and steals all the data. Yep. And, you know, I, I, I posted a, a link on LinkedIn asking people what they wanted us to talk about. And Ron Gula, who is the founder of, of Tenable uh, and makes a product called Nessus, uh, which I think a lot of you have heard of, as well as Security Center and various other products. Um, he, he's someone that I've always looked up to in the industry as, as kind of a visionary, especially in that space. And, and you know, we use products from Nessus uh, here in our company in Laris and, and beyond and many of the other companies that we've run before. And, and Ron had asked a question, you know, asking us to talk about raising InfoSec threat awareness to non-believers. And I think that, that it's a huge, huge topic is that we've been preaching these types of things for years and years and years, and the security keeps getting worse. I mean, you look at the difference between the Poneman Group study of 2008 in 2007. In 2007 to 2008, it rose over 40%. We went from having a couple hundred million dollars worth of loss to 500, you know, to billions. And then we started getting more into the billions to 500 billion. They're expecting that in 2009, that we have almost a trillion dollars in loss. A trillion dollars in loss for people not doing the basics of security, for not patching their systems, for not backing things up, for not having a smart architecture and design, for being able to go, ooh, shiny, I need to buy that, and just implementing it. Well, and for not realizing where their data is stored. Absolutely. I mean, God, how many times have we stumbled across a server where, you know, it's named some innocuous thing and it's somebody's desktop? And, and you, you start going through their files and it's like, oh, look, here's the source code to their application. Why is this on their desktop? <clears throat> because he's a coder. Okay, well, well, that's what ch- that's what application source code tools are for. It's for checking in and out source code, not right. having to have that app, that stuff on your workstation. Well, look at look at the times where they didn't name it Inoculus, where it was just like secret stuff, and it was my data <laughs> folder, and like you don't think somebody's gonna find that, right? Like that's not what I'm gonna be looking for when I'm surfing through your shared folder that allows anonymous access and allows NetBIOS to be null shared. You don't think I'm gonna see secret folder and kind of start drooling and go, hey, this is a pen test. I wonder what's in secret folder. Like, come on. I mean, realistically. And, porn. And I th- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Always porn. But, but you know, it leads to a lot of the other things that we talk about often, which is things like being able to connect people to the impact of threat. Being able to say, not only has this turned up red on the scanner, but I can get access to your secret folder. And here's what's in your secret folder. Because nine times out of ten, they don't know what's in it anyway. 
Porn. Like, well, that's great. It's secret. Well, yeah, okay. So I got pictures of your wife. Cool. <laughs> but I also got, you know, all your source code or all the credit card numbers you've ever run in the last 15 years. Or or well, think about the uh, on the show. When when we got the rootkit oh, on that girl's machine yeah. and the after alarm code. Yeah, so so when when Ryan and I and and Luke were filming Tiger Team, uh, if anyone's never seen it, uh, just go into Google, type in Tiger Team. You'll find it in some of the videos. Uh, one of the episodes we did, I think they called what twenty four carat heist or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was a, it was an exotic jewelry store. It was a, a very customized jewelry store. They serve like all the stars and all the bling, and they have the Guinness Book of World Records for the largest diamond pen. Yeah, Crunk ain't dead. Crunk ain't dead. It's the size of a sheet of loose leaf. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. This dime is all over the place. And so they had us go break into this jewelry store and show them some of these basic things in security. And one of the things we did was a client-side attack. And, and as we were doing this client-side attack, uh, we, we used Core Impact. We put an agent from Core on the device, being able to exploit them through an 07 vulnerability that was in Word. And we, ha- we said, okay, hey, print this contract out. So as Brian and I were on site doing that stuff, Luke was sitting at home. We had the agent built to call back to him back in the hotel room. And he's looking through the folder. And then all of a sudden, he sees something that was access codes or yeah, secret codes it was, or something it was like access, that. access codes. It was a spreadsheet, I think. Access code spreadsheet. Not only did it have everybody's username <laughs> and password, but it had the alarm code of the facility. It, literally, it had the alarm code that you could lo- walk into this place, punch in the alarm code, and turn it off for one of the biggest jewelry vendors to all of the movie stars. Thank God he found that, too. Oh, yeah. Because well, if, if you watch the show, um, I, I screwed up and set off the alarm. Screw-ups happen. It's okay. it, was, it was my bad. I, I fully expect, accept responsibility for that. It was for a that. very intense situation in which I was happy to get out of. <laughs> I had never seen you that freaked out, actually. <laughs> I, I've never been caught before. Whenever we've been doing red team testing, I just didn't want to tarnish my record. We still weren't caught. It's okay. I know, I know, I know. So, I, I I think that you know again back to some of Ron's comments. Uh, one of the last things that he was asking us to talk about was being prepared ahead of time to capitalize on security incidents and minimize the damage and minimize the finger pointing. <clears throat> and I think that that leads very 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 well into that is because that when you have an event, and I say when, not if, because you will trust me, you will. I don't care how secure you are. If somebody's going after you on purpose, you will have an event. You probably won't know about it, but you'll have it eventually. You'll stumble across it eventually, hopefully. Yeah. And, and you know, whether it's your clients calling you going, hey, I've been hacked because of you, or right. it's, it's because it's in their source code, because it's on your website, because, you know, your front door that used to be an AppSec company gets turned into a Nambla advertisement, you know, whatever it is, people will eventually know. And I, I think that, that what it comes down to there is really getting an understanding of what is your response plan going to be. Right. Because people oftentimes use the philosophy of we're not going to get hacked, so I don't need a response plan. Well, and they also always say that I'm not going to get hacked because who would want to pay attention to me? Oh, I'm too little. <laughs> right. I'm too little, I'm right? too little or I'm not important or we're not doing anything really cool. Or we don't do R&D. We're just a retail shop. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. sorry. Why, why would you hack us? Why would you hack TJ Maxx? <laughs> I don't know, because it was an IP address on the internet that was wide open. Right. Well, well you know, or configure. Is it the, the whole worm thing is a perfect example. It doesn't care who you are. It just wants to build this massive cloud. And it will. <laughs> and then you get to be in the cloud. Pay money to be in the cloud. But... 
you know, so some of those things are just just unbelievable to me because I know that those types of things go on in environments. I've seen them in every place that I've worked, in every place that I've consulted, in all the businesses that I've built. You know, you're watching these companies get attacked, and then all of a sudden, somebody pulls the oh shit handle. They have no idea what to do. And everybody's running around like a chicken with a head cut off instead of having a plan. And having the plan is what gets you through the event. Well, yeah. And, and of course, that goes back to the very boring aspect of security, which is policy and procedure. Absolutely. Absolutely right. Step one, have a fucking incident plan. Have a plan. plan. Have it written. Have it documented. And have everyone on your IT staff, not just security, because not everyone's going to have a security staff. Everyone on your IT staff and anyone of the manager level people should know that plan or at least where to find it. And practice it. I, yeah, I at least know how to read. <laughs> I mean, yeah, at least know where to find the Word doc so you can open it up going, shit, um, I know this person's workstation that's my employee just got popped or is have is acting weird. Who do I call? Right. You know, and you go to your little intranet web portal or you have your little Word doc that says incident response procedures. And mm-hmm. in there is the phone number that calls the help desk, calls whatever number always goes to the to the main person that's in charge of that type of thing. Yep. Now, and I, and I, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, I think that having those plans and having everything written out, whether you have a security team that's worked in the environment forever, or if the building gets bombed and caught on fire and you need to outsource everything to Bangalore, you have something that's intelligible enough for people to understand how to recover. Now, that could be DR, or it could just be looking down an incident. But I think that that, that right there minimizes the risk. Right. It, it stops cost. It stops the bleeding. I mean, if, if you consider hacking, you know, cutting you in your side, you're, you're not going to be Caesar dying in the forum. Right. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll get your little band-aid. Yeah, you'll recover. <laughs> you will recover. And, and I think that that's a, that's a huge, huge thing. Well, and, and, and then, you know, the other thing with that whole making sure it's documented properly and, and testing it is you and I have walked into, and, and actually there's one place in particular that I know you'll remember. Because she she loved both of us so so much. <laughs> um, we had a client. This was a few years ago. Um, they were a chemical distribution company, oh, okay. and they distributed every chemical known to man. Big. Chemical. Uh, I mean, we get a phone call. That hardcore chemicals. They want to have a pen test on an internal pen test. So we send a guy out there. Well, in the middle of his pen test, all hell breaks loose. Like the server's getting hacked, the accounts are getting locked out because somebody's trying to run a brute force attack against the remaining accounts they don't already own. And and Obviously not a very good hacker. They already had admin and they were brute forcing other accounts. Right, so they didn't have rainbow tables uh, or know how to use the off-crack site where you punch in the rainbow hash and it just gives it to you. Dump a SAM file. <laughs> right. So, so I go out there and we start going through and, and, and she has no idea what to do. And, and I said, well, let's go over logs. And she's like, oh, well, that's great. The guys who came out here and set up the network, they set up our firewall rule, our firewall logs to be shoved off to the to the server that does nothing but log. Right, but, but logs. But hold logs. Correct. I'm like, great. Let me log into that Check log server. And I log in and there's nothing there. Like, I, I, I double check. <laughs> I check. I check the folder setting. I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm in the wrong folder. So I go back to the firewall and I look at the, the configuration. I'm like, no, I'm in the right folder. I'm on the right machine. I nope. know, right IP address, right, right folder. Here. Nothing's there. And so I go back to the firewall. It's running. It's doing what it's supposed to. It's shoveling logs off somewhere. Um, problem was is the log server didn't have the right service turned on to actually accept the logs. So they were just going out into Ether and disappearing 
and I was expected to track down who was hacking their servers without any logs. Oh, God. And then there were other issues on top of that of, you know, un- things that weren't technically, at you know, uh, tied in together, but all of them were going on at the same time. Like well, I, someone I painted their tr- painted a truck. Painted the truck to and look just stole, like theirs. And then stole all the chemicals. Yeah. Went to one of their distribu- one, one of the places they picked up chemicals from in a truck painted to look like theirs with, with actual paperwork that they had apparently taken out of the dumpster because it was apparently an old <laughs> right, form. Right, because it was an old form. That's right. And the guy didn't recognize Thankfully, the first time they pulled up, the guy didn't recognize the driver. And he was picking up, like, like high-level stuff that you just you don't go and pick up shit tons of ammonium nitrate. Yeah, yeah, it, that's, that's not a normal thing to just go hook up. So he's trying to pick up a large amount of chemicals that this particular company had never taken from, from their supplier before. So he calls. He's like, hey, I don't recognize the driver. I don't know this. I don't know that. No one thinks about calling and finding out exactly where this truck came from or if there's any trucks missing because when I got there is when they finally found out that they didn't miss any trucks. They right. still had all their trucks. Right. Second day, the guy was a little luckier, whoever it was that was driving the truck, and did manage to get some, some chemicals out of their uh, supplier. And and I had to sit there for a day and try to convince their executives that, no, you really need to call this government agency and, and let them know what's going on, or you're going to lose your license. This There is no, like, well, you know, we're not really sure what happened. Like, I can tell you what happened. Like yeah, what? Pretty what, easy. What other scenario would this really occur in? And you know, on top of that, you're getting hacked at the same time. <laughs> oh, and by the way, this is going on, and this yeah. is going on. It's all it's all just coincidence, right? It's the Chinese and the Russians. It's always the Chinese and Hezbollah. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> Hezbollah definitely Hezbollah. <laughs> Although That's you awesome. know, I, when that configure worm came out, and I can't remember who it was that first started screaming, it was the Chinese. And, oh, and, you know and what? You and I, I were want to talk in, about that. You and I were wait, wait, before you and I were sitting at lunch. Yeah. And I'm like, did you see that? They blame it on the Chinese already. That didn't take long. And and both of us were like, yeah, there's some guy in Langley or in or in Maryland Go right now shit. going fuck. I mean, <laughs> so I want to talk. I want to talk about that right now. So what what is up with the fact that the Canadians find this what, what ghost net? Mm-hmm. So the Canadians find GhostNet, and then all of a sudden, because it's on a Chinese IP address, they're like, well, it's China. Now, granted, I have zero love for China, okay? I, I'm sorry, all of you who are in China and, and angry about me saying oh, that. We'll be, we'll be blocked by the Great Firewall. So they, they probably can't listen to us anyway. It's, yeah. it's, it's all right, man. So, so I feel for you. I think it's ridiculous that, that we just assume that based on the appearance that it's in China, that it's China that runs all of GhostNet. Not not doing any investigation of, like, what type of stuff it's actually looking for, because God knows how many times the Canadians found all of our Langley and all of our Florida projects, if you know what that means. So if we found any of those, and the Canadians are all, oops, sorry, we didn't mean to expose all of these NSA listening posts. My bad. But 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 now it's China? It's like It's always, like, it's always China. It's always China. Well, it's because they have more money well, than we do, or what? Well, no, I think it's honestly a media thing, right? I mean, it, it's the media is big. Is that the me- like the Bush China's- rah rah like rally around the flag? It's kind of like a leftover almost. It's a leftover <laughs> from the Bush from the Bush administration, where it's like you know China's the big bad, right? Right. They're the right. the evil Russian guys because the Russia, commies have more money than we do. Because Russia's not an issue anymore at all. No, um, no, no. They just have so, hackers. So now it's China, University of Moscow, way more people. And they spend money on information warfare. Was Obviously, it Be- they're Beijing, Beijing Academy that does all the hacker training? I think that's what they called it. 
I think. That and they have it. they have their own like uniform code of justice that says that they're going to take over other people's information and processing abilities through nonviolent means, which means hacking. Well, and, and let's let's be fair. Every country does that. Well, yeah. every country right now. Is, I can any, kill any, more people with a packet country, than I can a gun. Any country right now is is spending money on information warfare and, and oh, hacking and, and hacking teams and what. I mean, you're an idiot if the you US, don't. The U.S. absolutely does it, and tell their advertised positions for it. So, so, so I, I that's that's an awesome point. I, I found a great stat. Right, China spends ninety eight to one hundred and ten billion dollars a year on their hacking teams alone. Well, they were even at DefCon last year. They were in the capital flag remember, game. Remember, I was telling you, I was like, I was like, hey, we have a bounty if anybody can figure out about who those two guys are and make friends with them, because those were the same two guys that happened to be tagged as the people who probably, quote unquote, made the Cisco bug that came out in some of the Cisco firmware that they were producing in China. Right. So. It's just, to me, it is just unbelievable how much people keep their head in the sand. I mean, they re- they do. They're, they're like, oh, yeah, well, media says it's China. Well, it's China. I, I don't think it's well, – is it, is it keeping their head in the sand or is it just not – is it accepting media as the end-all, be-all, tr- like mainstream media, let's be fair. Or not a- knowing ABC enough to look around. Fox News and MSNBC and all those Everything guys. you see on Fox News is true. Absolutely, 4chan is responsible for everything <laughs> wrong on the 4, internet. 4, 4chan destroyed this it's, world. It's got to be a slow news day when foxnews.com <laughs> is doing a story about 4chan destroying the internet. I, I don't know if anyone saw but, that, but but 4chan, the, Fox News actually put out a news segment saying that 4chan not only was responsible for literally everything bad on the internet, but also the the anonymous, the attacks on Scientology. The, I mean, it, they just painted 4chan to be, like, the worst organization that has ever been created. And, like, as far as I know of 4chan from all the years that I've played around, they, 4chan is like a lol dongs organization. Like They're, they're it, entertaining. And then they are responsible for it. I mean, let's be fair. Anonymous did kind of – was a subgroup of the, well, of I, the, of the 4chan I would guys. agree. I would agree. But they've also become kind of their own entity at this point. Like, they don't really they're go – They're well beyond anything that 4chan They don't really has. go back to 4chan and go, hey, what do you think we should do next? <laughs> Because right. they'd be like, hey, throw these lolcats at them. It'll be funny. It will be really funny. It will <laughs> cost. <laughs> it, we can have, I can have cheeseburgers for $2 million. Right. But um, so anyway, so going back a couple of segues <laughs> where, where we were talking about China and then we went off to uh, people with their head in the sand. Um, is it really people with their head in the sand or is it just them accepting me- mainstream media as as the God's truth and not going and doing their own research. I I just think that that so many people have been lulled into this false sense of sheep security that that many people have done the same thing with their perimeter, right? Like bad guys are on the outside, good guys are on the inside. It's the same thing with it's China, it's USA. People are so concerned with geography that they forget that an IP does not have a location. No, the only reason it has a location is because someone bought that IP. But in the event that they release that IP, it could go to China. I could have a Comcast address today that went to China. And, and, and those types of things, the technology of TCP IP, the internet, it has no physical geography. And people are so hung up around this idea that inside and outside and good and bad and trusted and untrusted that they forget that they're actually there to protect the data. 
and right. not protect the geography in which they assume that they're in. Right. You know, and I, I, I think that that has exposed so much in this world of security that that's why we have the same problem with pen testing of, of well, just touch these IPs. Yeah, only touch these five. Yeah, well, one, of, one of them is your firewall. I don't care about that. I, I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm not going to hack your firewall. Why, why would I ever attack your firewall? I'm going to go after the holes you've punched in your firewall for legitimate reasons. Or, or like, you know, doing an app test, right? Like, I, I did a speech at OWASP on, um, on application assessment. Now, I'm not the be-all, end-all app tester in this world. No. I'm good at it, but I'm, but I'm not the end of the line. And, but, but my speech at OWASP was to get people to think a little bit outside the box. Instead of worrying about XSS, instead of worrying about SQL injection, about the OWASP top 10, about all the things that I think the people like, you know, Brennan and Tom Ryan and Jeremiah Grossman and Adrian Evans and all those guys are really there and, you know, and any of them that are there to, and Dennis Cruz, right, are, are there to really promote how AppSec works. I want to get to the other side. I want to get to, I have a snippet of your source code, and I can push it into Google, and I can find that your developers are posting this stuff on a developer website so that Asking they can get help. help. Right. Right. You know, like, how many times right. can I hack your, how many times can I log into LinkedIn and type developer in your company name and know exactly who to attack? Right. I don't want to attack the front end of your database. I want to attack the developer who has admin rights. Right. Who shouldn't have admin rights, but... But he does, But right? he does. Because he's, he's a developer. Right, because developers should not be in the production space. Absolutely not. But it, along the same lines, it's the same problem that before app security became a big deal. You, you know, you want to do pen testing, start Googling the company name, Google the company domain, and you'll come across the IT administrators of that company. Right. Posting off entire maps of their network going, I don't know what's wrong. Help. Yeah. Anyone help me. I don't know why my Cisco client doesn't work. Here's what my whole network looks like. Right. And and does that let me immediately break in? No, but it certainly gives me plenty of information for more avenues of attack. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So. <laughs> good, rant. good rant. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about going that off very far everywhere. on that. <laughs> I have PJ looking at us very confused. He's like, what the hell is going on? Just keep going. <laughs> keep talking, guys. Um, so, you know, uh, wrapping up at the end of that, I, I think that some of the messages that we've been trying to speak are pretty universal across every cast that we've had thus far. Is look at the basics. Look at what's out there. Stop thinking in the realm of a checkbox and start thinking in the realm of an attacker. Attackers don't have any boundaries. They don't have any time frames. They don't have any limits. If you can protect your network against those types of things, if you can protect your information, not necessarily your firewall or your perimeter, but if you can take the information that way, that's where security really starts. Um, you know, some of the ways that if you want to start to get educated on how to do that, there's a lot of conferences out there that happen very regularly, that we talk about very regularly that are going on that you can go to to start to understand where do I find these things, right? OWASP. Yeah, OWASP absolutely. OWASP is a perfect example. So, so OWASP is a great example. You're totally right. And it's just about in every city. So if you're in a major city, there's most likely an OWASP chapter. Well, even if you're not in a major city. Yeah. You're close to one. And if you're not, that's fine too because go to their websites and they put all their information up there. Like, hey, Don Bailey spoke about this the other day. Here's his presentation deck. Yep. And you know what? I, yeah, okay, Don Bailey really did speak at OWASP not that long ago, and it was a great speech, but I wasn't able to make it. So I emailed him. Hey, let me see your, let me see your slide deck, and let me ask you some questions about it. 
cool. All right. We sat down and had a couple of beers and, and, and talked about it. Even if you can't sit down physically with them, have an IM chat with them, have a Skype conversation with them, have a whatever. Just just track down any any person involved slightly with the information that you're interested in and talk to them. Most nine times out of ten, they're more than willing to have a conversation with you about it because they love what they do. Yeah, and, and one thing that I really want to make sure that everybody gets is that a lot of times the executive staff, the director staff, and even some of the engineering staff in inside of security looks at the people in the pen testing and security community as kind of elitist. And and I want you to know that from my involvement in that community, and I, I'm positive that Jack Lope and Ryan can echo the same thing, that most of the people inside of that community are very, very open with the information. They want to share it with people. They want to teach people. They want everyone to be kind of a symbiotic and open source learning community so that all of us can get better. So if you're ever put off by, oh my God, it's a DC 303 meeting or, oh no, it's an OWASP and I don't know that, get over it. Go to the meeting. You will find some people not only that you will make decent friendships with, but you will also learn an um, unbelievable amount of knowledge from the types of things that these people have to share. So, so you know, my message to you is that go out, search for security in your community, because most people in these communities are putting it out there, and they're trying to get more people to follow. They're trying to get more people to enroll in security and try and speak the message and try and get this thing resolved. Because as it is right now, it's spiraling out of control. The amount of loss is exponentially increasing every year, and what we're trying to do right now is stop this from increasing. So whether that means a pen test, whether that means an assessment, whether that means going to a meeting, or whether that means doing a podcast on ExoticLiability.com, that's what we're here to do. And rant. Yeah, we're here to rant. I mean, this is the stuff that people need to hear. And, and so, yeah, you mentioned OWASP. There's also the DEF CON groups. You know, DEF CON.org has a list of all the, the DC groups that they've they've created over time. There's the Hackerspaces initiative that those guys are doing. Um, and those are excellent places to go, by the way. Yeah. I mean, even even start, even if you can't find anything else, start at a 2600 meeting. What? Yeah. You'll, you'll meet you somebody find, there. That, and, and all of these guys. 2600 meetings, yeah, maybe you'll run into some arrogant pricks. And there'll be that one you'll guy. You'll meet Emmanuel Lewis, and he'll try and Gold's, proposition you because Gold's, you know, Lewis, Goldstein, Goldstein, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But you know, maybe, maybe. Uh, <laughs> wow, that just had all kinds of images go through my head. Thanks. Uh, but you know, maybe, maybe uh, you'll you'll run into that one guy, and the guy's not an elitist, and maybe he doesn't know everything, and maybe he can't answer all your questions, but I bet he can at least start pointing in the right directions of who to go talk to. And those guys won't be elitist. They'll, they'll they'll love the fact that even if you're not a computer person and for some reason you're listening to this podcast, go ask questions. Go if find not. out, like, you know, hey, I, I I heard about this configure worm thing and the media said this. Is that really true? Is that the case? Do some research. Go to go to all the websites. Say, say the word show me. Say yeah. say the word Emmanuel Lewis hey, and you'll I, find Webster. Or or say I wanna learn. That that was Emmanuel. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out why that sounded so familiar. Sorry, I, I put Goldstein out of my head because he's a terrible pedophile. Well, and, and Emmanuel Lewis is a small person that kind of works with the Goldstein <laughs> thing. Anyway. That um, comes 2,600 back These things us. we have no words for. So, you know, just dealing like Jack Lope said, say I want to learn. Say I have no idea what I'm doing, but I want to learn. Because that will get you a better response than anything else. 
I want to learn. I, I don't know. Teach me. Yep. All right. So following up on that, I think one of the other things that's that's pertinent to us is, is looking at some of the mainstream InfoSec conferences that are coming up. Um, <clears throat> one of the ones that's coming up in May is ChicagoCon. Uh, I'll be First weekend of May? Second correct. weekend of May? Uh, Jackalope, so Ryan. through the ninth. Yeah, Jackalope, Ryan, and I will both be at that con- or we'll all be at the conference. And uh, we'll be doing everything from teaching a master class on social engineering to lock picking to doing some breakout sessions on things like red team testing, uh, particular types of avoidance, or like, you know, Jack Lope will be teaching a session about if your spouse uh, handcuffs you to the bed, how to get out before they're ready to have fun. They don't even like have to be your spouse, you know, just could be anybody. Your, your significant play partner. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway. also at, at that particular conference, there's going to be a number of really, really cool speeches. Chris Gates will be talking there. Uh, Ryan Jones will be talking there. There's a number of other people that is well, well worth your time. And the fact of it is, is that every other conference that's out there charging 1500 or $3,000 uh, is giving the same type of information that you can get from ChicagoCon by just paying 100 bucks. Um, so I would really, really encourage you that in the event that you're anywhere in that area or you even have the ability to make it to that area, come out, learn some stuff about security, share some of the knowledge that you have from your own practice, and let's all get together and make this place better. So, Good job. Aww. So one thing we were doing. Well, let's not forget our, our friend Mike Murray will be speaking as well and helping us teach that class. Yeah, Mike's Mike's gonna be in the class. Mike's gonna be on our podcast, right? He's gonna be coming on soon. Mike? Yeah, actually, we're gonna we're gonna get Mike next week to be talking about some of the things in social engineering. Mike Mike is one of the best people I've ever met at some of the neurolinguistic programming and some of the different types of you know magic and deferent techniques and some of the language of what's going on. So when you talk about social security, you know social engineering. Uh, you're actually talking about multiple different things, not only communication, but you're also talking about some of the language that it occurs in. And Mike is probably one of the best people I have ever met in in any dealings that I've had in security and beyond to understand how language actually works and what the implementation of language does for the people that are involving in a conversation. That's one thing I wanted to add was at the beginning of this, we're talking about how we're finding stuff on Twitter. I just wanted to let you guys know that I wrote Twitter and update. We're just waiting to hear back from them. So hopefully next podcast we'll be able to figure out like what they said against, you know, getting people's first names and phone numbers all over Twitter that any of us could just, you know, call. Well, and, and you did have some interesting findings in, in some of the posts. Like one of the Missouri guys had said something about the polls are short or something like that. Yeah, like a, it was, it looked like a, I don't, I'm going to look for a, posting I have of it but yeah, it's just a little random and weird and, and and none of them are very none of them are active they're just name and phone number it says a uh, Jackson County Missouri Ward 11 precinct 2 Ooh. and 10 no lines no issues so I googled that it looked like it was just basically just a, a newspaper article listing so not quite sure well we'll be coming to you with updates from any of the O'Day that we find on Twitter during the drinking and or producing of these podcasts in the meantime, thank you for listening. We'll be back. Tomorrow.